This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The share it with a friend deal. Even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Listening to the West MY podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi. Hello and welcome to the West Hamway podcast with myself, Dave Walker, an ex-WHU employee. After 30 games, West Ham United are sitting fourth in the Premier League. What an incredible achievement and what an incredible game at Molyneux, where despite flashbacks from the Arsenal game, we managed to leave with all three points. We'll be talking about that game, the importance of Mark Noble, Bowen as a striker, the incredible Jesse Lingard and Leicester on Sunday. X will be giving us his weekly roundup before ending the show with questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. X, it was a nail-biting watch against Wolves last night with some overwhelming deja vu with the Arsenal game. But ultimately, we come away with a massive three points to send us into fourth place. What did you make of the performance? Oh, it's a huge result, mate. Huge result because, you know, we really needed to get a positive result on the back of Declan's injury because, you know, fans were already in meltdown over it anyhow. And um, had we lost that game, you know, I think fans have been like, our oh, season's fucked, it's over, that's it. Like, doom, gloom, etc., etc., etc. But... So that was a real significant performance. So I'll tell you something, it's a game of two halves, not just in terms of the actual scores, but also in terms of the split performances between both ends of the pitch. But Jesse Lingard, what a fucking player that man is, seriously. Oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, buzzing, buzzing. i tell you what, he is incredible, isn't he? And do you know what? I always rated Jesse Lingard when he was at Man United and... England, but not to the degree that I do now, because obviously I see more of him. Yeah, and he's just one hell of a player. I mean, the, the ball just glues to his feet. He's so agile. We can change direction really quickly. He's quick and he's tenacious. He's so hungry to get in front of goal. And that goal he scored. I mean, two things I'll say. One, outstanding, absolutely outstanding. And I think even Carragher said himself, and he was spot on. You know, as a striker. When you're in that position, you know that you've got to get that little bit of loft because if he didn't get that little bit of loft, then he probably would have missed it. Patricio probably would have saved it. So the run was brilliant. The finish was brilliant. The second thing I'll say is that goal really was made possible by Antonio's run. Yeah. Took that defender away. And do you know what? For a player that isn't a natural striker, that was really impressive as well. Um, But we were so explosive earlier on, weren't we? And again, that front three... They just make things happen next, don't they? Yeah, I mean, 
I like not to take anything away from the the others, but I do believe that how significantly good Lingard is makes all the others play better. Because yeah. whenever Lingard's got the ball, he makes the right runs. He's going past people so easily. Like every defender is kind of like, oh god, where he's going to go? They're always on edge and stuff, and it just makes everyone else play better. And you're right, you're right. What you say about Antonio and that run, it was crucial. And you kind of wish that people had seen his potential as a striker earlier on in his career because he's still almost learning the trade now at 30. You know, imagine mm. imagine if he'd l- learned the trade, you know, from, you know, the minute he started playing football, I just think how much more game intelligence he would have and stuff. I mean, I, I, I just love watching the, us when we attack like that. When Lingard gets the ball, I genuinely, genuinely feel that he's going to create something no matter where he is. And yeah. and he's just such a talented player. And and he's so popular with the players as well. The players really, really love him. Um, I think, you know, a hugely, hugely significant part in West Ham's future is signing him in the summer. Because if we don't sign him, I'll be massively disappointed that we missed out on him. And, you know, I think for now, is beginning to look a much better player recently. I mean, I've always thought he had potential to be a good player, but I think he's really starting to show it. I mean, that finish that he pulled off was technically oh. technically brilliant. And, um, yeah, I just think attacking-wise, attacking we are really really on fire but what a crucial thing it is is to find out which i'll cover in my section where we are with antonio you know both antonio mm. suchek and lingard took a took an injury in that game and <laughs> ironically on the Declan rice you know ad hoc podcast <laughs> we did i predicted exactly that didn't i said a hamstring injury to antonio and i said and a knock to the others and we'd be buggered and yep. unfortunately it looks like my mystic powers have have came in unfortunately but yeah let's <laughs> let's just focus on the performance for now but yeah the the atta- attacking wise we were brilliant how much does the signing of Jesse Lingard hinge on european qualifications do you think um, I think it'd be a factor, definitely, because, you know, he he is the player that must play on that stage. He's deserving of it. And if West Ham don't sign him, then surely a club that will be on that stage will look to sign him. I mean, let's be honest, he could get in on current form, in my opinion. He could get in every Premier League team. But on, a, on let's say, he's going to have maybe a dip in form here and there. You know, he's he, he didn't get in the Man United team this year. But I would, I would bet that they're considering taking him back next year now. Um, he could get into Tottenham easily. He could get into Chelsea easily. You know, so he's going to have a pick of teams to choose from. You just got to hope that he is... He is so happy at West Ham, which I believe he is, that he'll want to sign for us over other clubs. And also, it's really, really essential that we keep Declan Rice because mm. Declan Rice and him are close. You know, if if Lingard can see that Declan, who is, you know, arguably the most the English player with the most potential uh, in terms of value and how their career is going to progress alongside the likes of Foden and um, Sancho and a few others, he... He will see that if West Ham keep hold of Dick and Rice, then we're going then we're gonna go places. It's like what happened with Rio Ferdinand. The minute we sold Rio Ferdinand at the time, you thought, okay, eighteen million was a decent amount. It was a well record fee, I think, at the time, or certainly for a defender, it was. But then it was the catalyst for you know Lampard going and Joe Cole going and Carrick going and Defoe going. So it's so important to not only keep Lingard but to keep Rice as well. You keep those two, West Ham will be a good team for the remainder of the time that they're there. Yeah, without question. And <laughs> it does make me laugh with despair, really, when we talk about what was said on the the kind of Declan Rice discussion about Antonio, because it, it literally came true. Um, and I was gutted, absolutely gutted. And once again, frustrated as a fan, but frustrated for him because he gives so much for West Ham. And to lose him on the back of losing Declan, you think, oh, for fuck's sake. But let's talk about Jared Bowen taking his place because he came on, scored a quality goal. I mean, all three of our goals were unbelievable last night, by the way. But he scored a quality goal. What did you think of his general play? And do you think he is the go-to replacement if Mickey's missing? Um, I think the keeper could have done a bit better on his goal, to be fair. But yeah, it was was a good good goal. Um, I... I, um... 
I don't know, mate. You know, I don't know. I'm a bit jury still out for me a little bit. I like him. Don't get me wrong. And I think I'm glad he's in our squad. And if he was to tell, say to me, would you keep Bowen or sell him? Then I'd definitely, definitely keep him. I think he's a good player. A lot of potential. I think he's going to get better and better. But whether he's the, he can step in to play instead of, Antonio, I'm not sure. Do you know, I think I'd rather play Lingard instead uh, uh, as the as the out and out striker, so to speak, than than Bowen. If I was to pick one out of those two, because um, I just think Lingard's got a bit more directness to him, and he seems a bit more composed as well, um, and he's more experienced. Um, but yeah, I, I I just don't like the fact, and I don't want to moan because we're seeing fucking fourth in the league. So how dare I moan? But I just don't like the fact that we are so desperately thin as a squad. Now, Moyes has came out and said that that's why we're doing so well, because he's been able to keep a good team spirit, because everyone you know knows they've got a part to play. There's no unhappy players, etc., etc. But the fact that we already have had to convert Antonio to be a forward, and yes, I love him. I thought he was, I thought he was brilliant for the time he was on the pitch yesterday. The fact that we're so desperate for a forward just isn't, isn't good, in my opinion. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just thinking, how desperate are we for a forward? And I think you can definitely put together an argument that we are because Antonio is so unreliable in terms of his fitness. But the reason I'm hesitating on a desperation there is that you could play Lingard up front and I think he'd do a fantastic job. But for me, his biggest threat comes from the final third and sitting behind the striker. So I wouldn't want to move him. But if we had to, we could. And then obviously that gives more of an opportunity to Ben Rama, who I still think we're waiting to see blossom. And I still believe that will happen, by the way. But Gerard Bowen, I don't know, you know. I think he can defend from the front, so he's got the work rate. Um, he can score goals. He's played up there for Hull, I think, on a number of occasions. But, I mean, he did miss two sitters, in my opinion, last night. I don't know if you agree with that, but when the cross come in, I think he should have done better with a header. He should have at least got on target there. And for the goal that was disallowed, with Suchek, Sam Ball, I think he should have put that away as well. So how clinical is he really? I don't know. It's a tough one, that. Yeah, that's my concern. I'm not sure how composed he is. Um, And that's why, is he a Premier League striker at this point? I'm not entirely convinced. He's certainly not a top four Premier League striker. So that's why... Um, I would have my hesitations, but um, it, it's it, it's a strange situation to be in, mate, because we are literally so, so dependent on not getting injured. Now, I know we won without Declan yesterday, but I would argue that Declan or Suchek are more easily replaced, and this is going to sound controversial, than Antonio or Lingard. But if you lose Suchek, and Rice, or right, like you know, you, you don't, you or even if it was the other way around, if we'd lost Suchek and not Rice, I mean, that would be okay. That's okay. But uh, if mm. you lose both of them, then mm. you're in big, big trouble. And also, like I said, if you lose Lingard or Antonio, you're in big trouble as well. Um, so that is just hinging on us not getting injuries. And yesterday was a real eye opener to what could happen if we do. And I mm. still think, you know, whilst the performance was amazing, I'm not going to criticize at all. And I don't know if you're going to ask me this, but I'm naturally moving it on myself. I thought, the def- <laughs> I thought the defending was terrible you know, at times yesterday. Mm, it was it was and we have to talk about that because you know again we find ourselves in the, the euphoric situation of being three nil up yeah it's another nail biter and it is frustrating i mean what what goes so wrong because we seem to start so well and then we we flaked away uh against arsenal the same with with wolves i mean i'll start with one thing that's driving me mad and i've said this on the show before we're three nil up We've got five minutes left until half time. Why are we chasing that fourth goal? Why are yeah. we not killing it stone dead and going into half time three nil up? Because if you do that, you've got every chance of the game being dead at that point. But Moyes even said it. I don't know if you noticed that in his interview. He said, you know, rather than just kill the game off, we're trying to get a fourth goal. And he has to address that because we've got to be so much smarter. Because as soon as that one goal goes in, you know, a two goal lead is a dangerous lead. Because if, if they then get the next goal, then it's anyone's game. It's anyone's game. And to a point where against Arsenal, I thought we were going to lose that game. And I thought we deserved to lose that game. Luckily, with Wolves, we, we hung it out. But, you know, we're doing so much right. But at times, it seems like we're doing so much wrong in the same game. 
And we, we got away with it last night because we got the win. And look, the bottom line is that's all that matters. And yes, we look at the table, we're fourth and we're all on cloud nine. But we could make life so much easier for ourselves, couldn't we? Yeah, I mean, 100%, mate. I mean, for me, yesterday, the massive, massive problem, and I tweeted it, and I tweeted it again, and I tweeted it again because it kept happening, was that our centre-backs just didn't get tight enough to the opposition. The no. amount of times that they had a free header or they had, um, they, um, you know, the ball came into the box and... Dierp or um, Dawson were at least a metre away from the attacker. You've got to be tight, tighter than that. Um, it was just so frustrating because I found it so, so basic. You know, I was... I don't mean to name drop here, but I was speaking to a, a, a current player during that match, not for West Ham, an ex-West Ham player, and I was just saying to them, like, what is why the centre backs not getting tighter? And he was, he was like, I know, it's like I don't understand it either. So if I was Moyes or if I was whoever on the sideline, I'd be shouting at them, get tighter to your man. It kept happening over and over and over again, and it was no surprise that they got goals like from crosses and stuff. And yes, I think it was the second one from memory should have been cut out before the cross went in but still the centre back should have been tighter than they were it's a it's a thing that you learn from the absolute day dot of becoming a you know of getting into football you know I've coached you know under eights teams and stuff and you tell them you tell your defenders to stay tight on your attacker in the box you don't stand that tight when you're outside the box obviously because a pacey striker knocks it beyond you and, and they're through but in a, in the box when the cross is coming in, you've got no reason to not be tight to your defender. And it's just so frustrating. And I think also we've got that element of fear now a little bit because of the Arsenal game that, oh God, here we go again. So you've got to kind of almost shake that mentality as well. Yeah. I mean, I think what's even more frustrating in that respect is that we have defended fantastically well sometimes this season. So you know they can do it. It's not as if, you know, our centre-halves are generally quite good, but this constantly lets them down. It doesn't. You know, people have been talking about Craig Dawson as a Hammer of the Year contender. How much of a transformation Diop's made since he's come back into the side. How well Creswell's playing centre-half, even more so than when he plays on the left. So we've been brilliant at times defensively, but it just seems like we get complacent. And you're absolutely right. There was so much space allowed. And the first goal, I'm torn, really, because I like Traore. I like him a lot. I've always liked him. He reminds me of Antonio, really, in terms of his strength and his pace. And he can be fucking devastating. And could you argue that he should have been stopped before he got the cross in? Possibly. But it's probably easier said than done. He then did deliver a fantastic cross. And it was a great header. So, really and truly, I'm probably putting that down to a great goal. The second goal was a fucking shambles on our part. Yeah. I mean, Diop's positioning was catastrophic. And mm-hmm. Ben Johnson was nowhere to be seen. He wasn't even in the frame. I don't even know where he was. So, that was piss poor. But luckily enough, we had enough quality about us to ultimately score more goals than they did. But, again, you know, when you're talking about eight games left now and we're in the top four, if we can just tweak this and just be on top of our game in every single aspect and be lucky enough to avoid injury and suspension, then we genuinely do have a really good chance. But we've got to fucking fix a couple of issues that are yeah. starting to be reoccurring now. You mm. know, possession. I mean, at times, again, mainly in that first half, we played some fantastic football. Really, really nice. Like one-touch stuff, moving for each other. Um, you know, retaining possession. But you see it in doses rather than chunks of the game. And it's it's all very well chasing goals when you when it's nil-nil or it's one-nil. But when you're three-nil up, just make them work. Take a breather, move the ball around, go into half-time three-nil up, and you take the pressure off yourself. You know, there's that, and then there's the defending. I mean, you know, again, I just think we miss a bonner so much. Even when we win, I think we miss mm-hmm. a bonner. And I can't yeah. wait for him to come back. And I'm hoping like everyone else, maybe you can give us an update on where we are in your section. But, you know, I think he brings a bit of stability and experience and consistency to that defence that at times we've been missing recently. Yeah, I agree with you. We had the debate, didn't we, like when Diop and Dawson first broke into the team, whether Ogbonna would walk straight back into the team or not, if they continued to play as they were playing. But now, for me, having watched the last two games especially, Ogbonna, 
Connor has to come back into the defence. Um, and I think you have to take Diop out. And as much as that is probably long term, not the best thing to do, but because of the fact that he's young, younger, and he's probably got more potential than both Dawson and Ogbonna, like, like long term. This we're playing for the now. You know, we're playing for Champions League football this season. And I think Ogbonna and Dawson has been the best partnership that we've had. You know, in a in a in a four at the back, and then obviously bring in Cresswell if it's a five. And and I think. I, th- I think he has to come in because, like you said as well, not only is he probably the best defender, as in, you know, regardless of age and everything else, but he's got the experience. He's a leader as well. Without Declan playing now, you've lost one of your captain figures out there. So the sooner you can get Ogbonna back, then that then that helps in terms of leadership as well. And I think it is. I think it is. T- it is the right thing to do is to make that change now. And I'd even I'd even consider if Ogbonna's not fit for um the weekend which i don't think he will be i'd even consider i'm not saying i'd definitely do it but i'd consider bringing in balbuena as well for one of them i just think they need a bit of a, a shake up really um and i'm just not confident com- the way they p- p- played yesterday really showed some fundamental basic errors in defending and that en- is enough for me for at least one of them to be dropped mm-hmm. and do you know what with diop as well Whilst I can definitely see signs of potential in him, especially when we first signed him, I watched him yesterday and forget about the positioning and, and getting tight to defenders. One thing I always liked about him when we signed him was his ability on the ball. I thought he was a ball-playing defender, and that's quite rare from centre-halves these days. Mm. But I, I watched him last night and I thought, on the ball, for someone who is athletic and naturally quite quick, he looks sluggish. He doesn't look agile, you know? Mm. It, it looks yeah. like he's going to be quite clumsy on the ball and quite slow with it, and I thought that I don't remember Diop being like that. So I, I I don't know. I mean, since he's come back in, he's actually done all right. Last night wasn't a great night for him, I don't think. And uh it just it just left me wanting a bonner back because I think he's just been massive for West Ham. And like I say, even when we win, I think we miss him. And last night was a prime example of that. But mm-hmm. we got away with it and the three points are in the bag, which is all that matters. But mm-hmm. it is it is a bit of a concern for the games moving forward because there are gonna be teams well, we're not going to be able to get away with that, you know. So I'm sure Moyes is going to be addressing that and working hard because it needs addressing. Well, we got Leicester this week, haven't we? So we have. of we all have. the teams, you know, that are going to be able to attack you and expose you, it's them. So he's got to really spend some time on the training ground this week working on the defence. I would say he does. He does. Well, obviously, yesterday, not last night, but yesterday, belonged to the news that uh, Declan wasn't going to be playing. And he was going to be out for a few weeks. And obviously this had been boiling over with rumours beforehand for 24 hours, however long it was. And everyone went into meltdown. And, and to be honest, even in our pre-match discussion, even I was quite negative. I, I just thought the impact was going to be that big a deal that it was going to instantly affect us. And I'm pleased to say that I was wrong. Now, we knew doing that discussion that the man that was going to come in was going to be Mark Noble. Mm-hmm. Um but one thing I didn't envy is how much pressure was on his shoulders because make no mistake, Mark Noble would be absolutely 100% fully aware of all the stick that he gets and all the oh, people he is. That, turn, that turn their back on him. Uh, mate, 100%. Yeah, without a doubt. And the level of disrespect that people continue to Shocking. show. I mean, I, I, I suppose I flirted with that in a respectful way, if you like. I didn't slag him off, but I said that I didn't think he had 90 minutes in him. Which... Yeah, but mate, Mark Noble can take that. That's that's just opinion on a football ability, but some of the shit he gets on Twitter is fucking yeah. disgusting. Sorry yeah. to swear, but yeah. it is. But not forgetting, he gets tagged in a lot of it as well. Yeah, exactly. Vile, really. Yeah. I mean, a club captain and oh. someone that's been with us for fucking nearly 20 know, years. Fucking horrendous. But, then, but then again, we start to talk about these fucking idiots who really and truly probably ain't even West Ham fans and not proper West Ham fans. You know what I mean? Well, mate, I've got a section of this, a question, sorry, on this coming in our section, because I really, really want to lay down some brutal facts about this sort of thing um, going forward. So yeah. 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 Okay, mate. But the, the, the reason I'm making this point is because regardless of what he's done for West Ham, the amount of time he spent in the game, his level of experience, the, 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 the amount of time he would have spent with the highs and the lows, there still would have been a lot of pressure on his shoulders because he would know that if he didn't perform and and he did let the side down, then he would have been fucking brutalised on social media. Mm -hmm. So to carry that weight 
I didn't envy it. I didn't envy it at all. And I was watching him closely yesterday. Um, and I want to start by asking you how you think he did, because he's stepping into big shoes there. And, um, you know, I for one thought he was great. But what do you think? I think he was as well. And as I as I said on the pre-match show yesterday, he hasn't played defensive midfield this season, okay? Because Suchek and Rice have played... Well, Rice had played every minute up until yesterday, and Suchek had pretty much played every minute. So Noble had never, ever played in the two, in defensive midfield, which is his best position. He'd been played as a number 10 at times. He'd been played as a third midfield, midfielder within those two, where it gets congested. He'd never played in the position that is his best position he played in his best position yesterday and it's not a coincidence to me that he played really 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 well now I forgot because I was just caught up in the euphoria of the win yesterday to put the man of the match poll out um, for the patrons I've put it out this morning so it's going to be a bit delayed in the results but I think Lingard will win but Noble for me is probably going to come would come second, and I think I think he I think he just played superbly, and he's also like I've mentioned with Ogbonna, you're replacing a leader with a leader there with Declan, um, so you've got another leader coming in, and that's just so so important. And, and mate, you know I I probably wouldn't have started Mark Noble yesterday. I think I arguably would have given it to Connor Coventry, or I would have said to um, you play Suchek as one defensive midfielder, and then you play sort of Fornells maybe as the slightly ahead of him as a central midfielder rather than defensive midfielder, maybe. I'd have done that I'm not sure but I knew that Mark Noble if he came in would 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 do well like oh well certainly not awful and I don't for one minute get why West Ham fans have to do this now if you remember you remember back um Kevin Nolan used to get this and mm-hmm. yes and yes his career towards the end he wasn't very good towards the end but he used to get so much abuse and now people the same people that were abusing him when he was playing say things like oh what a leader he was for us what a captain yeah. and stuff and I feel like saying to him don't you remember how much shit he used to give him when he was playing for us they do it all the time Snodgrass has had it Andy Carroll's had it um there's been Aaron Cresswell's had it you know there's been numerous and then they're usually the English players as well, which is the, the bizarre thing. Um, and, and they just get slaughtered by the fans. It's almost like the fans have to have a figure that they do this to, that they moan about. And yes, we were all negative hearing about Declan's injury and, you know, we were all gutted about it and stuff. But bloody hell, like, you know, I'm his biggest fan. Everyone knows that. I think I probably almost go on about him too much sometimes. But... You were talking as if tomorrow, not you personally, but people, West Ham fans, were talking about yesterday as if our season was over. Mm. You know, you like, yes, it was a massive loss. Yes, he is our best player and so on. But you, I saw big West Ham accounts, big with like 40, 50, 60,000 followers say, oh, we might as well give up now. I mean, mm. geez, like at the end of the day, Declan is world class. You're never going to replace Declan Rice, which is why I'd never sell him. However, Mark Noble or whoever can come in and play well as well, you know? Mm. Um, and I thought Noble played brilliantly. And I'm really, really pleased that he's hopefully at least gave a one finger shush to a few West Ham fans. But at the minute he has another bad game, they'll be back on his case. But, um, and this is not me saying I think he's brilliant. I don't anymore. I think his legs have gone. I think he's still got a part to play for us like he did yesterday, but he wouldn't be a starter for me. But I would still have him on the subs bench and I'd still be pleased to have him on the subs bench because people don't understand as well the impact that that man has in the dressing room and and around the club you you speak to any player or ex-player that luckily you and I have the privilege to do every now and again and I have never ever ever heard a single person say a bad word word about Mark Noble no no he's he's just he's a great man great ambassador for for the club and and I don't know he's he's just when I say he's, he's iconic I don't mean in a sense that he's up there with the Bobby Moores and Trevor Brookings. I mean, he's he's iconic in his own way that he came from Canning Town and he's been a one-club man in an era where money just dominates the game and people turn their backs on their so-called boyhood clubs for a pound note left, right and centre. That's something Mark's never done. And the amount of shit that he's taken and the highs and the lows, he's been there and done it. He still wears the armband. 
it's just a level of disrespect. I mean, like I said, and you said it earlier, you can have an opinion if it's a constructive one, but I don't know. I suppose what I'm saying is I love being a West Ham fan. And generally speaking, I love other West Ham fans, but there are so many things that I think back think back on. And I'm embarrassed by it, really. I mean, you, you mentioned there about Kevin Nolan. I remember being at Upton Park and he was coming on and he was getting booed as he was waiting to come on. And I look back now and I think, fucking hell, that is so bad. That is so yeah. bad. And it's the same, you know, with Mark Noble. I'm so fed up with this tug of war with Mark Noble all the time. He's shit. He's fucking useless. Just tag him and slag him off. Oh, Mark Noble's fantastic. Is that the other? Well, just leave the geezer alone. He's part of the squad. He's the captain. It's unfortunate that Declan's got injured. Mark is the obvious man to come in. Uh, just, just get behind him. And I just think, unless a player disrespects the football club, like Arnie did, like Dimitri did, then just support them. It's your club. It's your player. And exactly, it, mate. It's so fucking frustrating. It really is. I 100% agree with you. 100% agree. And I... And I... I don't understand the mentality of it because even if you do think he's shit, right? Tagging him into a tweet telling him he's shit is not going to improve the situation, is it? It's going to it's going to make it ten t- times worse. Because if I was turning up to you know my job or my football team, if I was playing for one, and every time like I I stepped onto the pitch or I went into work and I I'd read messages before I'd even got there telling me how shit I was at everything, I wouldn't play well. I'd be my confidence would be shattered, and I know he thinks this you know it's no coincidence that Declan put out a tweet last night and said something like you know leave leave, lay off the stick or something like that along those lines can't remember what he said Mm. word for word but it was something like that because the players all know he gets shit you know it's I like again I feel like I'm name dropping a bit at the moment but this is to emphasize the point right I, I have spoke to someone recently in the club that would know that plays an important role at West Ham right now and I said to them fans won't like hearing this and I'm sorry but I'm gonna say it I said to them honestly mate honestly do you think the fans not being in the stadium has helped or hindered West Ham and they said it's helped us and Mm. I said why I said why and he said because every time you know if we go on a bit of a bat if we play badly in one game or if a certain player doesn't have a good game they're slagged off and they're you know they're insulted and stuff and then you hear it at the ground and you read it on the forums and stuff whereas now we don't when you're in the stadium you can almost forget about that and whether I agree with that or not, you know, this pe- these people are paid a lot of money, I guess. But you can't, you, it doesn't matter however much money you're paid. You know, if someone's to suddenly give me a million pounds a, a week for doing, for being X, right? That wouldn't stop me still getting sensitive to the abuse I get on Twitter, okay? Mm-hmm. No no amount of money would stop it because it's it's a human emotion. Yes, you could turn around and say, well, I'm getting a million pound a week for this, so I guess I can ride it. But still deep down, I'd be like, well, you know, why are you saying this? Why are you saying that and stuff? And, you know, you can't stop human emotions. So to tag in your club captain of all these years, all this abuse, why? Why do that? Like, you know, and I don't know. They'd never say it's the person's face either you know if mark noble was to suddenly turn up at their house and come around for a cup of coffee or whatever to be bloody random if that happened but if it did they would never sit there and say you're shit you shouldn't be in the team fuck off mate you shouldn't be in the team you're, you're negative you're a fucking this that and the other we might as well play with 10 men they'd sit there saying what a legend he was yeah and that's the hypocr- that's the yeah. hypocritical thing about this all the time it is and again you've only got to look at frank lampard and when we had harry redknapp on the podcast Harry was saying that every single picture he's got of Frank in the house is wearing a West Ham kit. He was never out of a West Ham kit. And all he ever tried to do was make it as a footballer for West Ham. Now, obviously, to start with, he wasn't the player that he became. But because he was related to people at the club, everyone just decided, right, we we ain't going to show the level of respect that we should show to Frank Lampard Sr. because he is a club legend and his son is playing for West Ham. So let's all get behind this boy because in a day, if if he's not good enough, he ain't going to make it. But fucking hell, you know, Harry Redknapp and Frank Lampard saw something in this kid that, that really showed potential of becoming a top player. But was that good enough for West Ham fans? No. So rather than get behind him and embrace him as one of our own, because that's what he was. He was a West Ham fan who happened to fucking be the son of a club legend. 
No, we just fucking poked him with a stick, poked him with a stick, poked him with a stick. And now West Ham fans have the gall to say, oh, fucking Frank Lampard, we hate him because he said something negative about the club when he left. Well, fucking right. And I would. And uh, do you know what? No wonder Frank Lampard don't want to have anything to do with West Ham now, senior. Yeah. Because if someone done that to my boy, I'd be like, fuck you lot. After everything I fucking gave this football club, that's how you're going to treat my son. And by the way, you were wrong because he did go on to become a world-class player. Then bollocks. And you, you look at that. You look at the way Kevin Nolan was booed when he was coming on as a fucking substitute. You look at the way Mark Noble's tagged in tweets. You know, it's an absolute disgrace. And, you know... There is the question of um, has it helped or hindered West Ham this season not having fans in there? Look, it's very, very hard as a fan to say it's helped. But let's just fucking be brutally honest and, and drop all the bollocks. It has helped the players massively. Because number one, we're fourth in the fucking Premier League. We wouldn't, we, we probably wouldn't be there with the fans there because at times we have come from behind. At times we haven't been brilliant during games, but have improved. But West Ham fans are so intense and so fucking demanding and so impatient that in those games where there wasn't fans to um, give them shit left, right and centre, um, they've just organically grown into the game and delivered results. I'm not sure we've 60,000 pissed off West Ham fans that have had the confidence to do that. And let's not forget it as well. You're balled out. I'm balled out. But I'm telling you now, we've got to be the only club in the country, whereas if fans were allowed back at the stadium, there would be 10,000 fucking people protesting to get the owners of this football club out the way when we're fourth in the fucking Premier League. It's, we're such a toxic fan base, and I don't know why. There are elements of this fan base I'm so proud about, but there's elements that I'm so embarrassed about, and I, it's just it just fucking winds me up so much. Even the way we get treated, X, and I am going to say it. It's coming later as well, mate, but go for it. Right, well, I'll, I'll keep it short then, because it's obviously going to be a discussion point later. But we, we do what we do because we're West Ham fans. There are accounts out there that make it about themselves as opposed to the club. We never do that. That's why we give up our time fucking until two or three in the morning editing a podcast. That's why we do the Extra Time Show, because we're talking to our heroes and providing a service to other West Ham fans. That's why we do our pre-match events, sometimes at a loss, because it's it's a buzz to see the smile on someone's face when they meet their heroes and make new friends with other fans. It's why you go through the constant stress of getting news that if you don't get, makes you a lamb to the slaughter. Yet we go on Twitter and just get treated like shit by people that don't know us, probably don't even listen to the show or attend our events, but think they have the right to abuse us on a daily basis and throw personal insults at us, ultimately because after doing what we do for free over a four-year period, we now charge a small amount of money per month for our content that we personally make a lot of sacrifices to create. So everything that I'm collectively saying to you, I just think I never would have as a kid thought that West Ham doing so well, there would be a dark element to that, which would be the fan base. It was always the other way around. Growing up, being a West Ham fan, being part of this army, maybe it's a generational thing that made me think, wow, West Ham might be shit, but I'm part of such a fucking amazing group of people. Now, I, I question it. It's the other way around. I love watching West Ham. We're not shit. We're great. But whilst we've got some diamonds as West Ham fans, most of them are patrons, the amount of fucking idiots we have to put up with and the players have to put up with is just fucking palpable. Iconic rant, mate. Fair play to you. Well, no, sorry, no, mate. I didn't no, 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 no. No, I'm not. I mean, it's, I mean it genuinely, mate. Genuinely. I think you've nailed it there. I think you've got it exactly spot on. I'm actually proud to hear you speak like that because I think you've you've nailed it spot on. Exactly. Word for word, I agree with everything you've said there. And, and unfortunately, it's really sad in a way to have to listen and hear it because you're right. And everything you said there is right. I mean, I look back, my first, my first, ever away game inverted commas was the FA Cup semi-final at, at Villa Park when we lost 4-0 to Knott's Forest right and that was the game that got me hooked as a West Ham fan we got battered we lost FA Cup semi-final 4-0 yes unfairly because of what the ref did study get out but bottom line is we lost but West Ham fans for the second half was chanting uh, Billy Bonds' current army non-stop YouTube it if you've not seen it um, if you're listening um, and, and you want to know YouTube it Billy uh, 90 whatever it was, 1991, FA Cup semi-final, West Ham, Knott's Forest, Billy Bonds, and you'll see it. And it was phenomenal. And it was at that point that I knew that this was the club for me because I, I went into school. You know, I'd have been 
about nine at that time, I went into school the next day and I was so proud. All my mates were like, hey, you lost 4-0 and I think Tottenham had got to the final that year like with Gaza, I think they beat Arsenal. So all the Tottenham fans were bragging and I, and I was like, I don't care. We've got the best fans. Your fans don't do that. We, and I, I genuinely felt on top of the world because we had the best fan base. And, you know, there's times when I feel like that. Like you say, there's many good diamond fellas out there that we've met over the years at the events and on through the podcast and away games and et cetera, et cetera, that are 100% genuinely lovely, lovely people. But there are that element that are disgusting and that is the right word, disgusting. And I will go on this later because for some reason, despite the fact that, you know, there's been that well-documented um, incident with the Arsenal fan TV fellow, yeah? And so I thought this week, maybe, maybe fans would be a little bit more um, conscious of that sort of stuff. But but no, like, I, I've had more this week than I've had in weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And I'm going to actually lay on the table later on in the question section exactly what sort of things I've been receiving this week so people understand what I have to put up with each week. Mm. I'm going to say exactly what it does to you mental health-wise. It doesn't do it to me so much anymore because I'm used to it and I'm a lot stronger and I'm at an age now where I can prioritise things in my life. But I'm telling you, if, if if I'd got this when I was like 22, 23, I wouldn't have been able to cope. No way. Um, and and I'll lay it out there. And it's sad, 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 sad state of affairs that this is going on. When, like you say, we are sitting fourth in the fucking league. The, the, I've always said for the rest of like any time anyone's ever asked me, my dream would be to watch West Ham in the Champions League. You know, to hear that music at the stadium, to go to an amazing away ground with the lads on tour. It would be and I never thought I'd experience it as a West Ham fan I used to always say to Arsenal fans like when they were moaning and they'd finished fourth or third again but you got Champions League football lads I've never ever seen that we are on the brink on the brink of getting that now yet still there's toxic stuff going on and yeah you just think when's it ever going to stop but yeah I think it's sad. It's sad that we have to talk about it. It's, it should be a positive show because we've won again. We're sitting fourth. But I just hope these people that are guilty of it, and like I said, not many of them are, are patrons, so we're probably appealing to the wrong audience here. But mm. but I just hope people do have a second thought, really. Mm. Yeah, well said, mate. Well said. Well, listen, we play Leicester on Sunday. A big game, but a tough game. How do you see that going? Um, I think... We're at home, aren't we? Yeah. So we beat them convincingly this season, mm. didn't we? It was one of our be- one of our best performances. Was it was it four one or have I imagined that? I can't remember now. Three one. Can't remember. But we played really, really well. Played one of one of our probably the turning point to actually think, wow, Moyes has cracked this. Um uh I think I'm just not confident with our defense at the moment. I think the injuries to Antonio is crucial. Without knowing how he is, I think I'm going to go with a score draw. I'm going to go like two all, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I was going to go with the same, actually. I mean, like I said earlier, I really do think we miss Bonner massively. Um, mm. And I hope to God Antonio's fit. If he isn't, that's a problem. And of course, there's no deck. So it's going to be tough because they're a good side. And I know we beat them away this season, but I think they've grown a lot since then. They're third in the league. They are a proper outfit. And I respect Brendan Rodgers. I think he's a really good manager. I do think we should go five at the back. Again, to be honest, I know at home I like to play the three attacking players, but we played five at the back when we beat them away. Um, I think that worked well, and I think it probably it's our best option, at least to start with five at the back and then go four if we need to. Um, but look, you know, if we can hurt them on the counter, we keep that level of intensity, um, we're solid defensively, then there's every chance we can win. But I think I am going to go for a score draw on that one. I think I'm going to go one all. Right, now for the most heartbreaking part of the podcast, and it's never easy doing this, it's time for an update on the Premier League predictions competition. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I honestly thought we were going to get away with this. This is why I preferred the old format. <laughs> no more the new, the new stroke old format. You never had enough time. 
<laughs> well, listen, X, I'll make it quick, as Natural said to be. No, because I can I say something before you start? Can <laughs> you know, I say something before you, you start? You can't have any excuses left now, sure. Oh, oh mate, oh, boy, do I have an excuse left? And it's not just and it's not just me that's picked up on this, right? I got two or three DMs at the weekend, yeah, on Twitter from people saying, look at Dave, right? He's forgotten to predict the Chelsea West Brom game. Forgot <laughs> forgotten to predict the Chelsea West Brom game. I did, okay. I did. Yeah, so he has got zero points. Everyone, probably 99% of the people playing that game has gone for a Chelsea win, right? They have, because you would think, look at them, Chelsea are on form, West Brom in a relegation zone, at home to Chelsea, uh, Chelsea are at home, who's going to win? I honestly would say you would find about five people on there that didn't predict anything but a Chelsea win, and shock, one of them is David Walker, who <laughs> didn't do his predictions in on time, and therefore got zero points for that one, and I got minus 18 or whatever it was. So immediately, so immediately, that's how the week starts. Dave forgetting to do his predictions puts him 18 points ahead of me. Well, do you know what? I think it's unfair of you to assume that I forgot. I mean, maybe it was a tactical decision. <laughs> but I thought, you know what? West, West Brom are starting to pull it together now under Big Sam. Um, that's going to be a tough game for Chelsea. And maybe I wasn't confident enough to put a score draw on West Brom win. So I just left it. <laughs> you never you know that. <laughs> You know that that's not true, you liar. <laughs> You're just the most jammiest person ever. Honestly, if you don't play the lottery, you need to fucking get on it and let me have half of it for suffering as much as I do. Well, listen, I've got to tell you, the table don't lie, though, X, you know, and it's a long season. We're not talking a few weeks here. We're talking after 30 games. I'm currently 33rd on 2,949 points. And X, and I'm sorry about this, mate, you're 123rd with 2,500 points, leaving a whopping 449 points between us. Not even that shit what I'm doing. You know, like out of like 400 or whatever it is, <laughs> I'm in the top 25%. Yeah, I'm, yeah, actually yeah. Doing, I'm actually doing yeah. all right. Yeah, yeah, you, just you, got... Do you know what? You're right, mate. When you think of it like that, you are doing all right. So, in your opinion, how well am I doing? I mean, are we talking exceptional, unbelievable, incredible? I mean, what word would you use to, to, to summarise 33rd at the moment? That's pretty impressive. Lucky. That's the word I would use. Seriously, that word's the only word I need. Lucky. Like, honestly, that, like, I, know, I know that sounds like I'm being bitchy and stuff. No. But but it genuinely feels like that. Look, look at even the fantasy league, the odd week where you played it because you were winning and then stopped when I was starting to win. You had your third sub coming in every week with like 20 points. And like you, Jorginho scored his only penalty of his fucking life when you had him in the team. And it's just unbelievable. All like seriously. Unbelievable knowledge. And you've got to take risks when you play these sort of games as well. You know, I'm a bit unorthodox, but I get results. And um, <laughs> that's, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give away the secret. So. Oh, it's just so irritating. It's and, uh, I'm just looking forward to a second consecutive victory. I mean, that's, that'd be two years undefeated. That, that does make me undisputed then, doesn't it, X, if I get this again this year? Undisputed lucky champion of the world. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I honestly, like seriously, fucking hate this game. Uh, I've actually, I've actually enjoyed this season so much, and I look forward to the podcast because we, you and I, ever since we've done this podcast, have always said how good would it be if we had a positive season to talk about. Yeah. We've finally got one. What this fucking niggling thing at the back of my head? When's he going to mention the fact of the league? When's he going to mention the league? When's he going to mention the? League? Oh, boom! There we go. There's yeah. the. League. And it's just so so frustrating because the thing is I don't even care that much about it, but because because it's like you and it's the competitiveness we have between each other, it actually hurts me. Yeah. It yeah. hurts me. Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny. It's funny, you know, because you're coming across as someone that really does care quite a lot. It's funny, isn't I it? I care about beating you. <laughs> but <laughs> it hasn't happened in two years, though, mate. I mean, that's a long time. It hasn't a fantasy league, so actually it's Oh, fucking fantasy league. It was, but more next year, I bet if I beat you on the prediction league, which admittedly is unlikely because I'm battling yeah. you and God, um, then, <laughs> then, I, then I, think, uh, I think that you'll tell me, go, oh, fucking prediction league, I'm bored of winning that now. Then, then, then I've given up on it for this season. I bet you, I 
bet you. Crop in there. a minute. He's going to cry in. <laughs> what do you mean in a minute? I already, I already am. I've been crying all weekend. <laughs> well, listen, mate, you don't know. Look, I could, you know, please God, it doesn't happen. I could be in a coma for the next month or so, and I won't be able to play. You can make that 449 yeah. points up. You still get more points than me because you'd still get zero, and it'll be one of those weeks where fucking Sheffield United go and win eight nil at Man City and stuff, and you'd still and you'd still beat me. There's just, there's no you can't beat science. Oh anyway, god! Is it about time we moved on? I think it is about time we moved on, and there are some things that I think the fans want an update on. We're hoping to get them, so it is of course that time again. To listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West Ham Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the West Ham Way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West Ham Way podcast, our second weekly show called the West Ham Way podcast, Extra Time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q&As with myself and X, monthly prize draws, discounts on events and merchandise, and behind-the-scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a stuntman to do their home renovations. Just finished the new sunroom, Mrs. C. The best part is I used candy glass for all the windows, so you can do this and this. Doesn't hurt a bit either. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. And if you don't want to take the long way to the kitchen, the walls are breakaway too. See? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Switching and saving with GEICO is easy. So you're free to ponder life's big questions. Like why do people say it goes without saying and then say it anyway? I mean, if it really goes without saying... You should instead not say it and just give a knowing look? Well, folks, it goes without saying. Uh, what does? The thing that I'm not going to say. Okay. Switch and save with Geico. It's easier than you think. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.